That was amazing. Hey, if you had a great time at Spring Breakaway, let me get it. Hey, yo! I promise I'm not going to steal that, but that is so good. All right, I won't. All right. Hey, let me just say this from the bottom of me and Lexi's heart. Thank you so much for having us out. It is, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, We don't have enough time for me to talk about what it means to me, but selfishly, I feel like I'm getting so much more out of this than I'm giving to this. And and I'm going to give it my best once again. God's been moving. But again, thank you for allowing us to come and, be a part. And I'll say this, a uh, full, so, full circle moment for me. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, emotional. <laughs> like I like cried all during worship. I'm like, how do I preach after this? <laughs> I'm never going to listen to Growing Pains the same. Because it's not like slow like that. You know, like the actual one is like a bop. So I'm going to like, I'm going to bop to it during our pre-service party at youth. And I'm going to be weeping the whole time. Everything okay. Are you good? Things won't always be this way. But let me say this. Um, I want to thank you for making me feel more part of this city than I did when I lived here. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> and, uh, and I just wanted to say thank you to Izzy and Ariel. Um, I'll just tell you later. How about that? <laughs> but... Um, let me just say this. It's a, it's a dream come true to just have a relationship with Jesus and your brothers have a relationship with Jesus too. And then it's a dream come true when you get to do ministry together. And then it is what scripture says beyond what you could think of or imagine when you get to do the same job together in the city that you grew up in together. I really love you guys. And they are, I'm just challenged by them. They just love Jesus so much. And, and I took a picture of them at the altar on their knees because that's what it looks like to pastor. It's not about the podium. It's not flashy. If I were to be honest, talking about pain, it's one of the most painful jobs and callings you can have because it's the calling that requires the most selflessness. It's never about you. And they never make it about them. But that's where, that's where the battle's won. When you feel breakthrough in your life, I want you to remember the picture of them kneeling on the floor. Because odds are that the reason you're experiencing breakthrough is because they're praying for you. And I'm saying that to leaders, and I'm saying that to students. And I get it. We all like to be homies with our leaders. That's fine. But may we never get so familiar with them that we forget the high cost of the call of leadership. So every chance you get, it doesn't have to be gifts. Every chance you get, show them honor. Tell them you appreciate them. And one more time, could you show honor to them right now, actually? No, you can do better than that. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Stand up, you can do better than that. You can do better than that. 
All right. You can sit down. Did you throw rakes down? <laughs> Let me just say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. I do not condone throwing the rakes up or down. All right. But just know if I had to choose, there is one that I would do. All right. Let me give you a hint. It's not up. Hey, all right. Hey, we've. <laughs> Man, if I said the back home, I get fired. I love it. I love it here. I'm going to just come out here and act wild with y'all. We should do this every year, shouldn't we? I don't know. Maybe. All right. Um, let me do a brief recap of what we've talked about. Because the games are awesome, the food is awesome, minus that, minus that ratchet pasta that y'all ate. <laughs> I'm sure, uh, I'm sure y'all appreciated the double dose of pasta. Could you, hey, imagine clowning the food when it's free? Couldn't be me. Couldn't be me. All right, listen, 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 listen. What have we talked about the last few nights? On night one, we talked about we, did, we talked about pain, and we talked about how pain, if you'll let it, will lead to glory. And we talked about growing in the glory of God. Then this morning, we talked about growing in a different area, which is practicing the presence of God. Tonight, we're going to talk about being filled with the Spirit of God. And I want you to know this. Uh, the worship leader, man, I don't know names. I'm so terrible. But when the young lady was talking about how something is different about tonight and she could feel it. And when you sense and feel something different, it requires you to do something different. That was spot on. And I want to just give you a, let me give you a prerequisite to all this. In order to go where you've never been before, it's going to require that you do what you've never done before. So before you even get to the altar tonight, I'm telling you right now, I've been doing this for 10 years. All right. You can get as much as God as you want or as little. My pastor says this back home. Most of us settle for $10 of Jesus when we could have all of Jesus. Don't settle for $10. Don't settle for just having some emotional pain healed. Don't settle for just being challenged to spend more time with him. Tonight, if you'll let him, if you want to, you could be filled with the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You can be filled to overflow. You could go back home. Not just better, but more powerful than you've ever been. So let's make a decision right now. We're going to be okay with getting uncomfortable. Because growth and comfort can't coexist. Oftentimes you want to get stronger. It's going to require pain and uncomfortability. So don't settle for comfort today. Let's get uncomfortable. Let's get real. Let's open our lives wide open. Let's open our hearts and our minds Wide open. Let's let God do what he wants to do with this weekend. You with me? I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. How many of you guys know the best words that we could ever hear from are Jesus' words? God in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. I, I, anybody who asks me what my favorite part of the Bible is to read, I'll tell you it's the red letters. Specifically, the book of Matthew has been wrecking me lately, all right? But Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus is teaching people how to pray. He 
He's teaching people how to pray. And one line in that verse is kind of like a spoiler alert to something that's going to happen after he dies and resurrects. I don't know about you guys. I love spoilers low key. Like I like to know because I like to expect something to happen. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, expectation is a part of the equation. Like that's the life of faith. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the substance of things not seen. So if you're not, if you don't like expecting things, you definitely don't like walking with Jesus. All right. Because that's what this whole thing is all about. But he gives a spoiler here that points to something greater happening once he dies and is resurrected. Matthew 6.10, it says this. We all, we've all heard this line, right? We've all prayed this before. If you haven't, you should read Matthew chapter 6 for yourself. Let me give you a tip. Don't ever take a pastor's word for it. I'm not afraid to don't even Don't ever take my word for it. Search the scripture for yourself. Study so you can show yourself approved. Okay? Always look it up. Write it down. And if it's wrong, be like, mm-hmm, misquoted, wrong verse. All right, but in love, you know what I mean? All right? It's a hard job, okay? All right, here we go. Matthew 6, verse 10. Your kingdom come. Let's read it together. How about that? Here we go. One, two, three. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One more time. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys have heard that before? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever really thought about that, what that means? When Jesus is praying this, man, I feel the Holy Spirit even now. Listen to what he's saying. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you a question. Is there cancer in heaven? Is there dementia in heaven? Okay. Is there sickness? So what do you think it means when Jesus is praying on earth as it is in heaven? He is literally saying, God, your kingdom come to earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this moment, Jesus is literally saying, God, I pray that you would make the realities of heaven a reality on earth. When you look at this verse, it's almost like saying, God, if there's no cancer on heaven in the name of Jesus, may there be no cancer on earth. God, if there are no people in wheelchairs in heaven, then make that reality our reality. God, if there are no deaf people, no blind people, no people addicted to drugs in heaven, which there aren't, by the way, then make that a reality here on earth. This is mind-blowing to the disciples and everybody listening in attendance. Because up until that point, it was like the reality of heaven and what's actually happening on earth were segmented. They were segregated. There was no way for that to happen here until Jesus. And what Jesus is doing here is making a declaration that, ki- that the kingdom of heaven is not just real, but it's for right now. And I want to tell you tonight that the kingdom of heaven and the realities of heaven are not just things you hear your leaders talk about that they've seen, but they can be a reality for right now. People could get healed in your school right now. 
Somebody getting injured on the football field can get up and walk right now. You have a relative who's sick, who's hurting, who's diseased. They could be healed right now. But what's the key to all of this? How could Jesus pray so confidently for the realities of heaven to be a reality on earth? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God has always wanted his people to walk in power. Imagine this, a life where miracles are the norm. Where you're no longer surprised when you hear about somebody getting healed, you're like, I knew it. Imagine having a faith because of not just what you've seen, but what you've experienced for yourself, where you pray for somebody and you experience them, you experience them getting healed as you're praying for them. But it's just the regular thing. Did you know that that life is a reality? A, a moment in time where you have boldness in sharing your faith with anyone, anywhere, at any time. A boldness to pray for others. A boldness to believe God for the miraculous. God wants to work powerfully through your life. And he wants to do this by you experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're in the room and you've experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit already, then tonight may you get filled to overflow. I pray that there would be a new wine. See, in, the, in, in biblical times, they would store wine in what's called wineskins. And the wine would sit and ferment. But the deal is, if you put new wine in an old wineskin, the bag would burst. I believe God wants to not just give you new wine, a new baptism tonight, but new wine requires new wineskin. I believe even if you don't have anything wrong tonight, God is going to transform you and change you and mold you and shape you to live a spirit-filled, faith-filled, bold and empowered life for him. And can I tell you, after what I saw happen in the city of Chicago this past weekend, with teens rioting. That made news headlines all the way back where I live. When I see that happen, it's confirmation that if any city needs it more now than ever, it's the city of Chicago. We need revival in this city. And when we pray for revival, we pray with an understanding that it's God sending us. But there's someone we need before we go. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Bibles out. Them, get them digital Bibles out. Turn, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Acts is found in the New Testament to give you context. It's written by one of the disciples. Excuse me. He's not a disciple. He's a physician, a doctor, a very smart man. His name is Luke. And it shows in detail the growth of the early church through the lives of people who were filled by the Holy Spirit, just to give you context. This is right before Jesus goes to heaven after he's resurrected. So imagine being the disciples. You're like, we just got him and now he's leaving. Dang, what are we going to do now, right? And Jesus takes a moment before he ascends into heaven and gives some last-minute instruction. He says, 
don't leave until the Father sends you the gift he promised. I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the disciples thought it couldn't get any better than this. We're a disciple of Jesus. We love following Jesus. We've seen Jesus do awesome things. What they didn't realize is that Jesus had more for them. Not just being a disciple or follower. Not just seeing him do amazing things. But doing what he said they would do, which is greater things than I, you will do. I love that they were so close to Jesus, but they forgot most of what he said. <laughs> if you look at the Bible, it's like once, once he got arrested, they lost their ever-loving minds. They had no, just, just a hard reset, all right? Like, we don't know what we're doing, just like a bunch of toddlers, all right? But I love that he promised them that. He said, greater things than I, you will do. Do you know that that promise was written in blood, his blood? And that promise still stands valid tonight. I want to challenge you with this as a believer. If Jesus said greater things than I, you will do. The question is, have you done greater things than him? And if you haven't, could it be that you and I are lacking the most instrumental part of doing greater things than he did? He said, don't leave Jerusalem until you are met by the helper, the one that I'm sending you, the comforter. Jesus is saying, it's great that you're baptized by water. That's the next step of obedience after you make a decision for Jesus, which, by the way, if you have not been baptized in water, what are you doing, all right? I'm not talking about a little sprinkle, like a, you're not a cupcake, no sprinkles at birth, okay? I'm talking about full immersion. I'm talking about you, you stand proudly before a congregation and say, I'm declaring outwardly a decision I've made inwardly, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power to save my soul. If you haven't been baptized, that's where you need to start. Talk to pastors. He talked to Pastor Ariel. I was talking to Pastor Joey about that today. Get baptized. Let's go. But that's not the end. That's just the beginning. Because Jesus says, you've done that. But I'm talking about a whole nother baptism. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can go ahead and bring the, uh, bring the table up real quick. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? Let me break. Anybody, anybody like theology? You like to go in depth with your study of the word? Okay, some fans. All right. The rest of you, I know you're a little bit tired. Anybody sleepy right now? Anybody sleepy? Let's stand up on your feet. 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 Oh, yeah. All right, here we go. Listen, I'm making us do this because what's too important, this message is too important for you to not have blood in your brain, okay? All right, here we go. Hands straight up and down. Back up. I do this all the time back home and down. Back up. To the side. To the other side. As far back as you can go. This is as far back as I can go. My knees are busted. Down one more time. 
Now give me five cla- now give me five claps in a year. All right, sit down. Okay. You can turn the light. Thank you. Wow. The mood. I love it. I felt like I just went to Olive Garden. I'm about to have a spaghetti dinner with these lights. <laughs> All right, everybody, lean in for me. Okay. So, did you know there are two instances, there are two experiences that you have with the Holy Spirit? See, some of us think that speaking in tongues is the only one. It's not. Not according to 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Okay? Now, when you accept Jesus into your heart for the first time, the Bible says the Holy Spirit then takes residence in your heart and creates a home for Jesus. So it's kind of like this, all right? When you say yes to Jesus, it's kind of like this, all right? Praise God. You are now filled where before you used to be empty. That's what we would call, write this down, okay? It's called the indwelling of the Spirit, Listen, we're out here to make disciples. Disciples are educated. Okay? Don't take my word for it. That's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Just like this cup is filled with something new that it didn't have before, you are given a new heart with new desires. All of a sudden, your life has purpose. Who's experienced that before? You experienced God's presence. Now you're more aware of it. You have an intimate relationship with Jesus. And you notice that things start to happen in your life that didn't happen before. So every Christian initially has the Holy Spirit living in them, right? Now let me ask you this. Even though every Christian has the Holy Spirit living in them, is every Christian living a powerful life? No. Let's wrestle with that tension for a second. Even I said it, <laughs> and I had a deep conviction just now. I was like, oh, anybody else feel that? So you're telling me that every Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. Yes, that's where your sense of morality comes from. That's where conviction comes from. That's where the direction for your life comes from. It is the Holy Spirit interceding on your behalf. It's in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says that when, the, when you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf in utterances that you can't understand. Thank you, God, for his spirit living inside of us. That's where conviction comes from. That's where morality comes from. When, that's, when, that's where right or wrong becomes crystal clear. So every believer has that. But does every believer live a life of power? Don't answer this question out loud. Are you living a life of power? Are you? Do signs and wonders follow your words? You know, people get tired of words. And I think what Chicago needs more than ever, what Springfield, Missouri needs now more than ever, what the United States of America, what the world needs more than ever, is not a ministry of words, although they have their place. It's a ministry of power. They don't need you to get into a theological debate with them. You know what settles arguments? When something impossible happens. 
You know what settles arguments and convinces somebody? Is when something is healed on their body. When something supernatural happens. And some of us have gotten into the habit of developing a theology or ministry of words. God has far more than that. You know what Jesus used to do? Tell a story and then spend most of his time healing people. Hey, let's be real. Jesus, when he talked to people, very seldomly quoted the Bible. It didn't exist. He did use scrolls. He did use the Old Testament. But what did Jesus do? He spoke in parables, and then he moved in power. His ministry was not just one of words. It was of power. How did Jesus do that? Some of us are like, well, he was Jesus, so like he's God. He did it because he's God. Nope. The Bible says that although Jesus was fully God, he surrendered his rights as God. You know, this is going to blow your mind. Everything Jesus did, he did fully human. What's our excuse? Everything Jesus did, he did fully like me and you. You know, the difference is he depended and relied fully on the Holy Spirit. And he only went and did what he saw the Father go and do. He relied heavily on the direction of the Holy Spirit and moved in power from the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that in order for his disciples to live for God and walk in power, that they would need a gift. Look at verse 4 with me again. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Underline that in your Bible. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Let's answer this question. Why did they need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and why do we need it? It's simple. One word, power. The Holy Spirit gives you power to see things you couldn't see, believe for things you couldn't believe, and do things you couldn't do because you experience a power that's not from you. I'm going to say it again. The Holy Spirit will give you power to see things you couldn't see, believe for things you couldn't believe, and do things you couldn't do. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power from when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In the Greek, I'm telling you, we're getting educated tonight. Yeah, all right. In the Greek, the word for power is dunamis. Hey, look to your neighbor and just say dunamis. No, say it like you're convinced it's powerful. Say dunamis. Some of y'all are going to hit a jump shot from now on and be like dunamis. Hey, listen. Translated from the Greek, you know it doesn't just mean power. Can I tell you what it actually means? It means mighty power. If you were to actually translate it, it means explosive. So whenever you see the word dunamis or whenever you see the word power in the Bible, you need to read it like there is an explosion going off. You know why? Because when you think about an explosion, and I was going to use like, you know what I mean, a grenade for an illustration in here, but I didn't think it would be okay, so I didn't, you know? <laughs> Actually, you probably would have let me, but I'm just going to choose wisdom, all right? Do you know why that word has explosive connotations in Scripture? 
Because power was meant to disrupt the norm. And when you hear an explosion, what does it do? It causes everybody to draw attention. It's not something that's easily skipped over. It's not something that's easily unforgettable. Think about this. You can't remember what you ate for lunch like seven days ago, but I bet you you could remember the first time you saw fireworks. Or the last time you saw fireworks. Let's put it like that. (laughs) You're in junior high. It's okay, all right? You'll remember someday. (laughs) Junior highs, you don't remember anything, but the next time your V-Bucks membership expires, okay? I'll just say... Hey, see, hey, come on, V-Bucks. Come on, V-Bucks, period, all right? (laughs) You know why you remember that? Because it was explosive. It disrupted the norm. It was almost more than your senses could handle. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about strength. There's a difference between strength and power. Strength is something we muster up in our own effort. Power can only be received from the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked in power. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth. I believe this was Peter preaching, but you can fact check me on it. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you by God. Accredited by God to you. By miracles, but what's the underlying word for that? Dunamis. Wonders and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. The Holy Spirit gives you power primarily for two purposes. Let me tell you the two. Write these down. Number one, power to share Christ boldly. I bet you if you thought about it, You'd be able to think about a time where you knew you were supposed to share Christ boldly. But instead, you found yourself scattered much like the disciples did before they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And can I, can I be honest? I'm not, I'm not, I am not judging you for that. I'm not condemning you for that. I'm simply pointing out that if that's you, that right there is, is already a prerequisite enough for you to need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you can't share the love of Jesus out in public with anyone boldly and not afraid of their opinion, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because what was Jesus's primary command? What is everyone's calling on this planet who calls himself a Christ follower? Can anybody take a guess? Say it again. That's a leader right there. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey the Lord. How do you think they were supposed to teach people who have never seen them before, heard of Jesus before? It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Power to share Christ boldly. Acts 1.8, but you will receive what? Power. And I want you to underline these, these words. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. One of, the, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to give you a power to get over yourself and over people's opinions. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be prideful. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to get over myself. Hello? Y'all hearing me? 
We need the power of the Holy Spirit to get over ourselves and get over our insecurities. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to not be afraid. We had a student back home. His name is Max. Max invited 16 of his friends to James River Youth. 16. And out of the 16 friends, two of them gave their lives to Jesus, which is awesome. How do you think he was able to go and talk to 16 people? The power of the Holy Spirit. One of our James River Youth students in Joplin, Missouri, her name was Bree. She got saved. And then every week after that, for four weeks straight, she brought a friend with her to James River Youth. And every week, that friend got saved. How did it happen? The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to get over the fear of other people's opinions and to care more about God using us to make Jesus known. Is that where you're at? If you were to put it on a scale, what's heavier to you? What means more? Making Jesus famous or what other people think about you? The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us boldness and an authority. Look at the life of Peter. I love Peter. Peter was a hothead. Peter was like, punch first, ask questions later. He reminds me of someone. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> we all know a Peter in our life, don't we? Now look at this, though. Peter was full of zeal. He was Jesus' number two guy. But there was only one disciple who denied Jesus. Who was it? Did he do it once? Twice? Did it three times? Could you imagine being Jesus' number two guy? Seeing all that you saw. And then betraying Jesus. And then knowing that Jesus knew you would. and You were trying to prove him wrong. That's enough to make somebody depressed for life, isn't it? But what happens to Peter? Pastor Izzy mentioned it yesterday. Peter's restored by Jesus, forgiven. Peter receives power from the Holy Spirit after Jesus leaves. And it was Peter. After Jesus leaves, full of power from the Holy Spirit, who gets up in front of thousands of people and gives the greatest message with the greatest response that we see recorded in the Bible. Thousands of people get saved by hothead Peter. All because the power of the Holy Spirit transformed him and empowered him. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Why am I pointing that out? It wasn't like a process. Sometimes we give ourselves too much permission to have a process. 
There are some things that take time and there are other things that require action. And the moment you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, immediately you are filled with a boldness to go and do what you couldn't do before. The whole place shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. I believe God's going to turn some lambs into lions tonight. Man, that's a word from the Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit specifically right now talking about those who would say you're introverted. Or you, or, or you feel like you don't have a voice. And God would say to you, that's okay because he's going to give you his. I'm going to keep going. Point number two. You guys still awake? All right. <laughs> Don't do that. You're going to make me act up. Number two. The second purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give you power for miracles. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it gives you power to believe for miracles to take place. Acts chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. When the crowds heard Philip, Philip somebody who loves Jesus. I, I challenge you to read and get context on your own for who Philip is. I would tell you, Pastor Izzy said, I need to let you wrestle with the message a little bit. So you want to know who Philip is? Go look for yourself. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. I love this part. My, just my heart's all beating fast with this next part. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many. And many paralytics and cripples were healed. Can I, just, can I just give God some praise and tell a couple testimonies real quick? I think you need to know that this is a possibility. Who in here in the room has prayed for somebody, laid hands on them, and seen them healed? Raise your hand. Praise God. That's awesome. Put your hands down. That's God's heart for everyone. Now, who in here has seen a metal plate dissolve? Who in here has seen God do a creative miracle like something growing back? Who in here has seen somebody get up out of a wheelchair? Who in here has personally been hurt and then all of a sudden wasn't hurt anymore? That's awesome. You know what Psalm 119 says? Psalm 119 says this, that testimonies are my inheritance forever, O oh God. You know what that means? Is even if you've never seen it or done it, the moment somebody shares it, it's now yours to have faith and believe. So I'm going to share testimonies, and I'm going to ask you to do something that I did when I was needing healing. I literally opened up a note in my phone, wrote, testimonies are my inheritance, and I wrote down everything I heard that somebody else saw. And even if I didn't need specifically what happened to them. I said, God, your word says that testimonies are my inheritance. That means I consider it like a check that's already been written. Every time somebody tells me a testimony, I cash it in and have greater faith. Well, let me tell you some stories. There was a student. I told this one a little bit yesterday. There was a student who was born deaf. Was visiting Springfield, Missouri from Michigan came to a youth service. We prayed for him. He all of a sudden could hear. We didn't understand the gravity of it until he came back and told us that he was born missing a nerve in his ear. 
You know who prayed for him? Junior hires. Some of y'all think the anointing is exclusive to just certain people. That's real Old Testament thinking. The Holy Spirit is accessible and is for everyone. There's going to be a day where you're not relying on leaders solely to pray for someone powerfully. I think it's tonight. About a month ago, there was a lady who pulled up to one of our campuses. Long story short, she had her toes shot off in an accident. In an argument, right? Was it an argument? Had been dealing with that for a long time. Came to one of our services. Somebody asked her, hey, do you want your toes to grow back? Seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? She said, yes, they prayed for her. After a few minutes, she noticed that where there were no toes, now there were knuckles for her toes. Hold on. And a few minutes later, nails started to form on those knuckles. And by the next day, all of her toes grew back. Wild, isn't it? There was a service that I was in. I got, I've had really flat feet my whole life. There was a service that I was in where they were playing a testimony video. And I was just watching it. I wasn't even asking God to do anything. I'm just chilling there like, yeah, this is awesome. I was going to heal people. And I started to feel a sensation in my, it sounds so weird, in my pants. Just reel it in. Girl, please. <laughs> Saying, ew, about nothing you know about. Chill out. All right. <laughs> okay, listen, listen. Uh, I knew what I was doing. I asked for it. I've been trying to stir up arguments all night tonight, all right? We know. So I started to feel, I honestly, I started to feel a cold sensation on the bottom of my feet up to my knees. And I asked, I asked Lexi, I remember being in the front row and I'm like, did it just get really cold in here? She's like, no. I asked my campus pastor, Pastor Chris, did it get cold in here? No. I checked when I got home. I used to have flat feet and all of a sudden I had arches in my feet. And I'll show you pictures. I did a scan I did a scan of my feet, and I have partial arches in both of my feet. It is the wildest thing. It's insane. I've been a part of services where people who didn't even know that there were things wrong with them, people who didn't even know that they had opened up their life to the enemy with the music they listened to or bitterness or anger, have gotten into the presence of the Lord. And before the message even happens, just in worship, all of a sudden, Demons start manifesting, and in the name of Jesus, they're sent out packing. I've been of a part of a service where there was a gentleman who had shoulder pain. And he wasn't even in the room. His wife was in the room. And she said, he's had reconstructive surgery on his shoulder. He's not been able to lift his, his arms all the way up. Can you go find him and pray for him? I grabbed a dude, and we were on a mission. We started running. He does security for our kids' team. We found him, and I said, hey, I know this is weird. We've never met. Your wife sent me. <laughs> Married men, I'm going to give you a tip right now. If it's endorsed by your wife, do it. Every time, okay? So he said, that's great. What's going on? I said, God wants to heal your shoulder completely tonight. Do you believe that? He said, yes. I said, are you willing to pray? I said, yes. So we prayed for the first time. 
Shoulder wasn't good. That's where most of us would quit and get discouraged. But I know what God said. I know what he promised. I know he wants to, so I prayed again. And we're going to pray again. His arm got 80% better. He was able to go from here to here. I said, nope, God wants to heal you all the way. We're going to pray again. By the last time we prayed, he was able to raise both of his hands. I've seen people who have had scars on their arms from cutting. Where we have laid hands and I've touched them. And there's no amount of lotion or oil that you can put on a scar to make it disappear. And I've laid hands on the scars. And when I lift my hand from their arms, the scars are gone. Are you hearing me? These testimonies are your inheritance. I've prayed, we pray for people who have insomnia, which by the way, one of my, one of my interns back home sent me a text and said, I feel like somebody at retreat has insomnia and they're not able to sleep. God's going to heal them of their insomnia. That's your inheritance, by the way. But I've, we prayed for people who have had insomnia immediately healed. From that point on, they were able to sleep soundly. I'm just telling you, God can do it, he wants to do it, and he's looking for someone to do it through. Here's the question you have to answer tonight. Why not me? Why not me? The last story I'll tell, this one's wild. There was a student who had to have a procedure in his brain, in his, in his skull, because his brain was swelling. His name is Thomas. Love that kid. I want, I want to pause and just mention this. Isn't it unique that every story of healing, most of them have been students who have needed healing, and most of them have been students who have prayed for the healing? Thomas had a metal plate in his skull. There was a word given on a night just like tonight where the person who was speaking said, I believe God's going to dissolve metal plates metal in people's bodies. This wasn't the only story, but this was one of the stories. The young man said he didn't feel anything in the moment, but when he went home and rubbed his head, the metal plate was gone. And it's been verified by doctors. We prayed for a young lady who was blind a month ago, completely blind. She can now see. We prayed for people who have been colorblind. Anybody colorblind in the room? Kind of, kind of. You'll love this. We prayed. I believe you could pray for your teacher. She could be healed. Come on. There was a student who was colorblind. Like thought that Mountain Dew cans were brown his whole life. I'm talking about for real. His matching must have been horrendous this whole time. But he only wears white and black. That's it. He would fit right in in here. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. <laughs> we prayed for him. It wasn't a, listen, sometimes it's a process, but it wasn't a process then. We prayed. He opened his eyes and was in complete shock. Because for the first time, he was looking at our, our screen, our LED wall, and he could see a green forest. Then he sent a text out to his life group and said, wait, Mountain Dew's green? Why am I taking time? I know it's night. It's night. This is the last night. I'm going to take a little bit of time if that's okay. 
Why am I telling you these stories? Because testimonies are your inheritance. And if you'll let this sink in, what you'll realize is that miracles and the power of God are not as far from you as you think. Jesus knew it, and that's why he said that the kingdom of heaven is near and that the kingdom of heaven is now. When Jesus said you'll receive power, he was talking about mighty and miraculous power to do what he did. For reference, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Power to make the lame walk, Acts chapter 3. Power to boldly tell people about Jesus, even under threats, Acts chapter 4. Powers to do great signs and wonders, Acts chapter 6. Powers to cast out demons, heal paralytics, etc., Acts chapter 8. And powers to do miracles that Jesus did, Acts chapter 10. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me paint a picture. With baptism by water, you're immersed into water. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an immersion into power and fire from heaven. It's an immersion into dunamis. Now, what does it look like practically for the power of the Holy Spirit to fill us? Okay? This is us. We're full, and most people would be okay with this. And let me just say this. When it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's not a requirement for you to make it into heaven. But at a birthday, it's not a requirement to eat cake. It's just kind of nice, isn't it? Why wouldn't you? It's like you don't have to get a gift on a day that's not your birthday, but why not? Here's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit looks like. Upon salvation, you've got the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's now filled an empty place. You are different. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when he fills you and keeps filling you and keeps filling you and keeps filling you to the point you overflow. And now things aren't just happening inside of you. Things are happening around you. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Not that you would be satisfied with a life where you that you would be faith-filled and pursue a life where you're filled to be overflowed. When I was in the kitchen, I was talking with Julian and his mom, and we were trying to get this illustration together. And one thing that was interesting that's different than any other illustration I've done, usually I'd let the water run off the table, and it would be dramatic, and it's like, and God wants to fill you, and it's going to da-da-da-da-da-da. And I love that in this illustration, overflow results in somebody else getting filled. The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't just for you. Jesus isn't just for you. The purpose is to go and do what he did so that people can have an opportunity to make the same decision you did, which is ultimately choosing Jesus. You with me? Worship team, you can come on up. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is a gift. How many of you guys like gifts? Can you bring, uh, somebody bring the couple things that were on the back of that table for me real quick? Thank you. Y'all like gifts? My primary love language is gifts. I like to give them, but I sure do like to get them here. (laughs) 
Going back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Don't leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. Receiving a gift conveys the idea of both receiving and taking. Because you could say thank you for the gift without ever taking the gift. One hand, you receive the gift, and on another hand, you have to take the gift. Now I have a question. Who wants this? Who wants this? No, who wants it? Who wants it? You're welcome. Hey, hey, hey. Who wants this? You're welcome. Hey, 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 hey. Okay, fine. Just take it. Yep. That's great. <laughs> hey, only junior hires will drink calf water from the sink, but praise God for you. Hey. Do you understand now? What was the question I asked? Who wants it? Why would I ask the question? Listen, listen. I don't want you to miss this. What was the question I asked? Why would I ask the question if I wasn't prepared for somebody to come and take it? No, you're saying, yeah, but I need you to understand this because it's easy when it's a bag of hot Cheetos, but when it's God's plan and purpose for your life, when it's power to do miracles, it's not that easy, is it? Except it is. Jesus promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the only thing you need to do to receive it, you don't need somebody to get oil on their hands and hit you with the shamalama ding dong, and then all of a sudden you start speaking in tongues. You don't need that. That didn't happen in the Bible. I'm going to be honest with you. That didn't happen in the Bible. Check me on it. It didn't happen. The gift was promised, and the gift was given, and the gift was received. And as easy as it was to come and take a a bag of hot Cheetos and a cup of ramen from me, it's that easy to receive all that God has for you. When it comes to receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, there's people who just kind of sit and wait for it to happen. Sitting didn't get you an Arnold Palmer tonight. They want God to do everything. Or they're like, I'm just going to sit here because it's not going to happen. It's not just about receiving. You have to reach out and take it. 
He's got a wonderful gift for you. It's promised. It's yours. Luke 11, verse 11 through 13. It says this. I love this verse. This is Jesus talking. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, this is Jesus talking to mankind, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Some of you have a fear of being disappointed by God. And the reason I read this verse before I ever offer a moment for you to receive the Holy Spirit is you need to know as good as you think your parents are at giving gifts, he is better. And if your mom and dad wouldn't give you a snake when you asked for a PS5, then why would God respond to you asking him for the gift of the Holy Spirit in disappointment? He won't. He can't. It's not who he is. So tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask him to give you the gift. It's as simple as this. Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Man, I felt the weight on that even as I said it. Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And if you're already baptized in the Holy Spirit, don't be satisfied with just speaking in tongues. That may be the initial evidence, but it's not the final destination. Just because you can speak in tongues does not mean you are now superior or that's all that God has for you. It's the initial, but it's not the final. God has more. It's not, a just, it's not just about praying in the Spirit. It's operating in the Spirit. It's moving with the Spirit. It's going where the wind of the Spirit leads you. So if you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, here's my expectation for you. You'd say, Jesus, fill me to overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you'll receive it as soon as you ask. Some of you, much like me, will receive it at another time. Some of you in a service, some of you on a Sunday morning, there's a story of a student We prayed for them to get baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. It didn't happen that night, but instead of allowing disappointment in her heart, she trusted. It's kind of like waiting for a Christmas gift. None of us are yelling at our parents every day in disappointment because our Christmas gift hasn't come yet. We look with expectation to December 25th. In the same way, she didn't build a theology of disappointment. She said, Pastor Juan, I know it hasn't happened yet. Yet. She went home, laid her head down to bed, and immediately, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. Whether it happens now or at home, God has a plan. What happens when you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled in the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You're going to speak a language that does not sound normal to you. Guess what? That's okay. The Bible talks about this. Speaking as the Spirit gives you utterance. I'm going to close with this and then we're going to pray. 
my experience at camps and at retreats, when it comes to receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, my advice to you is not to pursue tongues. Just pursue Him. Because inevitably, if you seek the gift giver, what are you going to run into? The gift. But it's kind of like drinking from a water hose, right? Like if you're really thirsty, does it make sense to just hold the hose and let water spill out? No. What do you have to do to drink from the hose? You got to open up your mouth. So if you're just sitting there quiet, praying for the Holy Spirit to baptize you, and your mouth is clenched, and you're like, I'm going to fight this until I know it's God, nothing's going to happen. As you pray, open up your mouth. Jesus baptized me. Thank you, God, for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And watch what God does. You with me? Can I have somebody take this table? Here's what we're going to do now. I want everybody to stand up. And I want everybody to come down to the front. Now, here's what I know. I know that you guys have a culture of responding to altars, which is awesome. It's amazing. Come on, room for everybody. Squeeze in. Let's make it happen. If we got to push some chairs back, do it. so funny. I asked Pastor Izzy yesterday night if what happened last night is normal, and he said no. What that tells you is that God is already wanting to do something extraordinary with you. I'm excited. Now, everybody in the front, why don't you take a couple steps back? Thank you. Going back to what I said yesterday, God is not going to impose himself on anybody. Even though he is all-powerful, he will not exercise that power against your power to choose him. So I'm going to extend an invitation. And not everybody has to do this. I want to make that clear. Not everybody has to do this. Okay? But here's, what I, here's the invitation I want to extend. If you have never been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of tongues, or if you have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but want to be filled to overflow to where God's signs and wonders, His miracles follow your words, that's biblical. If either of those is you, or you need boldness to go and speak to people about the gospel. If any of those are you, I want you to come down to the front. I want you to step all the way to the front. That's cool. Okay, you know what all of us have said? All of us just said who responded, we said, Holy Spirit, you have a gift. I need the gift. I want the gift. So what's left to do? Say louder. 
not just receive, but to what? Make it. That requires reaching. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to go into a song, okay? If you're down here, you're not singing the song. You're praying, Jesus, baptize me in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you're thanking him. Let me give you a heads up. Don't work up emotion in yourself. Don't get anxious. And don't feel like you're doing it wrong. If my two-year-old were to come up to me and ask me for yogurt, which he does, I don't care if he doesn't pronounce the word the right way. I don't care if he just says it how he wants. My response as a father, when my son asks me for something, is to give it. So miss me with, with the insecurity about asking. Just ask him. Ask him the way you know to ask him. God, I love you. Thank you for this gift. This is amazing. I didn't know it was available to me. God, if you'll give it, I'll take it. Okay? And if you're in the back, I'm assuming that you have received a prayer language, that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. What I need you to do without laying hands on anybody yet, okay, there'll be a time for that in just a moment. But what I need you to do in the back is I need you to pray. And you can pray two ways. You can pray with understanding, using your words, or you can pray in the Spirit. Either way, you know what you're doing? You're, you're praying God's perfect will. Okay? So we're going to go into this song. If you're down here, begin to ask, receive, and take. And after we do that for a little bit, we'll have leaders come up and start praying for students. But students down here, the moment you feel the presence of the Lord, you just begin to speak. And if it doesn't make sense, keep going. Okay? Let's get in a posture to receive. Would you lift your hands if you're down here? Come on, begin praying that for yourself right now. Begin praying that for yourself right now.